Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Barnes University Radio. Back after a while, after a hiatus. And look, the Tennessee Titans are winning. Tennessee Titans are the Tennessee Tickle Monsters, according to most media members um, within this database. Whatever you want to call it. But anyway, um, i got three main topics to talk about is what is going right what is going wrong? That's one topic. Um, also, what are some pitfalls and some bonuses that the Tennessee Titans can go moving forward? <clears throat> and then we're going to talk about, obviously, the outlook of what Barnes University Radio is going to, you know, start bringing forth to the fans, start providing value, you know, for the first, you know, um, people that know my story, especially on Twitter, I was pretty much anonymous from 2012 to about 2018 that's what six seven years and then over the past three or four years i've been uh not anonymous and i've actually shared who i am so over the past few years that's what i've been doing so with that being said we're going to talk about that at the end of the um podcast so first starting out is what we've done right you know with this team that i've watched for the first you know you know, what is it, 11 weeks, 10 weeks, um, you know, for the first four games, they were finding their footing. Um, Derrick Henry was saving them a lot of times in their two wins versus the Seahawks and the Jaguars, um, you know, they didn't have to do much against the Jags, um, lost against the Cardinals and Jets, um, couldn't handle pressure, um, couldn't you necessarily move the ball without star players having great games. They were the same old Titans those first four games. But something happened after week four, um, going up against, you know, um, a very hyped-up opponent in the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, they came to play. And they won a very close matchup. Lots of defensive pressure, lots of different types of coverages. They brought out disguises. They brought out stunts and games and teams weren't expecting that because from what I saw first four games the Tennessee Titans were pretty vanilla and bland you know um, lots of wide nine um, they had some stunts in there because Harold Landry got some pressures coming up the middle on some stunts and some games um, but it wasn't nowhere near what they were doing after week four now how do I coming to play with this because usually there is some type of way that I come into play. Um, You know, just before the Bills game, getting hyped up because I like to, I like to shock the world. You know, I like to, that really gets me going. Um, I like to, um, you know, upset. I like to be the underdog. So against the Bills, you know, every week I kind of go through a game plan. How would I attack the Titans opponent and how, if I was the Titans opponent, how would I attack the Titans? And I was like, okay, they have one loss at that time, and that was against um, the Steelers, I believe. And, you know, some of the things the Steelers did. So I'm like, let me tag Coach Vrabel. Um, So uh, amongst this thread included 
2017 um, Dick LeBeau's defensive game plan because what I found similar between LeBeau's defense that year and this year was that we didn't have necessarily a talented secondary back then and right now we had very a very injury riddled and young secondary so I'm like how did Dick LeBeau protect his secondary um, back then we had a decent front four and a decent linebacking core. So I'm like, okay, this is very similar. And that 2017 defense, as much up and down it was at times, I think LeBeau got the most out of his players during that time frame. So I'm like, let me send this to Vrabel. I don't know if you'll see it. He's active on Twitter, but I don't know if you'll see it. So sent that in the thread. Also sent some of the things that the Steelers did successfully against the Bills week one in the thread. Also sent my June 2019 um, King Cat running back pass, reminding them of that play. A lot of people think I'm joking when I'm talking when I when I named that play the Barnsey when they did it against the Ravens. Um, I think Michael Pruitt actually confirmed it that they were they've been practicing it for going on excuse me going on two years. So that will align exactly when I shared it to Coach. Um, the quarterback coach and to current offensive coordinator Todd Downings, who both are active on Twitter. So a lot of people think I'm just, you know, tooting my own horn, but they are active on Twitter and they're never going to admit ideas that they get from other places or this, that, and the third. But anyway, I'm not saying I'm not, it's not here to, to hang my hat on anything. I'm just saying what I've done and the difference started when I shared that defensive scheme four years ago. So, Hey, it could be just perfect timing like everything other in prior years has been, but I'm just saying. So from that standpoint, they went on a five-game winning streak. They they have probably close to 70% of their sacks within the last five games. Um, and, you know, they're rolling. Um, so with that being said, what's working is a lot of confusion on defense. People are finally getting home instead of pressures. Um, a lot of different type of looks and coverage, late, late rotations offensively without Derrick Henry, you know, as the season progresses, it probably could get more stagnant, but I mean, specifically versus the Saints, um, AJ Brown only had one catch. So that's very uncharacteristic. I don't expect that to happen, but it was a very close game. Um, so we'll see what was going to happen moving forward. So with that being said, so that is what's working. So what's not working is that patchwork offensive line. Um, I will have to say that they have given up a lot of sacks on the season, but they've played relatively well. But what's going to happen is once you st once the season progresses, there's always injuries, and that's something that you can't avoid. So once you start digging the bottom of the barrel, in that category, that's where it's going to start hurting you. You know, hopefully all goes well, but once the depth is tested, we're going to really see what this team is made of. Obviously, with the running back situation, you have a, a, a three, three-headed three monster or three-headed tickle monster, whatever you want to call it, uh, three-headed puppy, whatever you want to call it, with Adrian Peterson, Deontay Foreman, and Jeremy McNichols. Foreman looks like the best natural runner right now in terms of vision. He's ready to go. 
Um, but I like Jeremy Mac Jeremy McNichols' speed and his ability to catch out of the backfield. I think the Titans could use that a little bit more. Um, and that's not to say teams, you know, teams know that about him, so they could be keying in. Um, you know, also the quarterbacks could not be taking their checkdowns and giving McNichols those opportunities. With Adrian Peterson, he's gonna run hard. You know, um, his effort is always gonna be there. Um, will he get the most out of a given play? Not always, especially at this age. You like to see him be a, a tad bit more decisive in terms of getting downhill. And, you know, he's always going to finish. He's always going to be physical, but just he's wasting a lot of steps, you know, figuring out his um, path, I should say. Um, and then, obviously, defensively, um, the secondary, as I mentioned, very young. They have some weak spots and weak points in there, but a team, it's very hard to target that weak spot over and over again. But the Saints did it. And, you know, this is, I'm going to put this in the air right now about Chris Jackson. Chris Jackson, number 35 for the Tennessee Titans, drafted in the seventh, sixth or seventh round, I believe, um, out of Marshall. He was my 44, 44th ranked cornerback that year. And very tough player, very smart player, good story, good kid, good, you know, I'm, it's nothing against him personally. It's just that when I watch tape, he was borderline mauling wide receivers. And I mean that in a way of like holding and, and he was very scrappy and he had a lot of borderline, borderline pass interferences in college. So I was like, just projecting that against bigger, faster, more talented wide receivers, you're going to borderline be doing that to them in the NFL. And you add to the fact that he can't grow taller. He He's not, in theory, going to get faster. It just, you know, I thought the Tennessee Titans would have upgraded by now. You know, especially, you know, you've had an offseason. You've had, you know, cuts, waivers. You've had another offseason, cuts and waivers, and a draft, and you still haven't done it. And against the Saints, had the Saints not missed two extra points, and if Trevor Simeon looked to his left on that two-point conversion, then the Titans would have went to overtime, you know, and who knows what, what would have happened then if they kept targeting him. So he's had good games, better in zone. So let, let's just break this down into in coverages. Better in zone than in man. Can, can, we, can we come to agreement on that? He's better in zone than man where you can play off, see the, see the quarterback make a play on the ball as opposed to, you know, having to possibly have his back turned in man and getting cooked. You know, that's just what it is, man. It's just like it's it's championship. These are championship talks. You know what I'm saying? This is championship analysis. It's not fanboy analysis. It's not hype train analysis. It's not fanatic analysis. It's championship analysis. That's what's you got. You guys are going to put Chris Jackson on this pet pedestal and then when he gets roasted in a playoff game or in the championship or in the Super Bowl you're going to be like oh well he played a good season this isn't high school this isn't this isn't middle school to where all little Jimmy boy he played his heart out no you have the opportunity to upgrade so maybe possibly you should upgrade um you know, and that that's just what I see from a talent perspective. But, like, I have to clap my hands for, you know, 
John Robinson in terms of the defensive line because one of the guys that I targeted during this offseason was the Nico Archery. The length, the power, the versatility is just all there. And I don't understand why the coach didn't bring him back, but it was a, a, a misjudgment there. And then you add him with Jeffrey Simmons, who was my number two ranked defensive tackle, which I wish that I would have, you know, for those that know me, my live drafts would have taken him. But there was a lot of stuff surrounding Jeffrey Simmons during that um, first round situation in 2019. So um, that's that's where the separation comes from, actually being right there close to the situation as opposed to just, you know, watching tape or whatever. So anyway, with that being said, that secondary, specifically one or two players, might might come back to bite you. But offensively, you know, I think the Tennessee Titans can piece together some things. So moving forward with some pitfalls that they may see moving forward is like I said it's funny it's not funny but it's very on brand because right before Derrick Henry got hurt I was going to make a podcast of you know this is looking like a pretty good season what could go wrong what could go right how could we still make it to the finish line you know and still bring home the trophy and I was like a lot of people think like I was thinking if something happened to somebody or if you know, a team got, you know, like kind of similar to how the Chiefs are kind of, you know, having trouble with cover two. I was like, what could a team do? So I was like, let's just go down a line of people were out for a significant part of the season or wasn't playing. So I thought Derrick Henry. Then I thought about A.J. Brown. And then I thought about, you know, Simmons and, you know, Bayard and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, you know, to be honest, if Henry did go out, I feel like the Tennessee Titans – and I already knew their running back depth. I didn't. I obviously didn't know about them signing Peterson. I didn't. I mean, I thought that what Peterson has provided, even in these two games, could could have been, you know, had by somebody else on the street. To be honest, I mean, he hasn't been that impressive in two games. But um, but the running backs that they do have, McNichols, Hilliard, who's on the practice squad, you know, uh, Foreman, who who was pretty much getting a lot of trials at that time, and I knew that he probably would be back. Um, that's one person that I did think he'd be back. Um, so with that being said, I'm like, they could make it with a running back by committee approach, because when you look at it, these dual two back systems are successful. And the reason why it's successful is because I've always said that when you, especially when they have a different style, you bring in somebody who's fresh, the defense, is just like a cadence. It's just like a metronome. They get, they get accustomed to who's running the ball they understand his pace they understand when he's going to cut they understand when his stiff arm is coming and against good teams they can time that but then if you bring in another back who's just a tick different in running style it kind of throws the defense defense off on top of the fact you're bringing in fresh legs so with that being said you know running back by committee can work then I was like okay what if AJ Brown goes down and this was before the trade deadline, I believe. So I'm like, if A.J. Brown goes down, then we could trade for somebody. But if he goes down, then I think the Tennessee Titans could mesh together something. You know, you, there's been teams that have won without dynamic wide receiver talent. Um, and then I thought, you know, you still had Julio, but then, you know, obviously he's dealing with the hamstring. So that could be a little bit different. Then I went down defensively. I don't think there's one player that, that, that could get injured um, that could really, I would say, Bayard you know, um, on the defense because he does some things that are off script that it really comes down to, you know, confidence, tape study, and, you know, how much 
confidence you have in yourself. And that's not translatable to every player. Then I thought about quarterback. And I'm like, if Tannehill goes down and, you know, I've I've met Logan Woods, I shook his hand, good guy, really been a big supporter and fan of him while he was in the XFL. And then, you know, obviously now in the NFL. And I'm like, I don't know if in this these particular circumstances, if he could, you know, bring home the trophy. You know, the defense would have to be playing absolutely out of their minds. Um, and that, that was the position that I thought, like, you know, that's done. And and you think about that, that's with most, most teams. But I thought Derrick Henry wouldn't be as bad as people thought, which would have been, you know, I would have, I, this is how it would have gone. I would have said it two weeks before his injury, and then it wouldn't have gotten no play. And then I would have shared it again, and it probably wouldn't get no play. But still, at the same time, who's doing this? Nobody. Nobody in the world is doing what I'm doing. Like, and this isn't, obviously, I didn't share that particular information, but this happens all the time. I, I see something. I say it oh, six months before it happens. I share it again. It doesn't blow up. But the fact that nobody's doing it. But then when it happens, it's media is basically, once the story happens, how can I capitalize on the, what currently happened? Not, not, there's no talent in that, to be honest. It already happened. So now you're just talking about what has already happened as opposed to actually having skill and seeing what will. But um, that's kind of moving forward. The pitfalls like injury, like schematics, um, talent. The Tennessee Titans are, bo- are like a little above average talent enough to, to make some noise. It's just going to come down to their attrition and depth. And that that attrition and depth is all accumulated from free agency, draft, how you work the practice squad, how you work the waivers during the season, the trade deadline, and then when you start to get around Thanksgiving and through December, it, that's what's going to be tested. And that's the type of rosters that I build. I don't build rosters that, you know, can make it, you know, that are just that that win August through November. I build rosters that can win December through February. That's where I come into play. That's why when I talk and all these fans be crying, but he did this, but he did that. But is he going to do it against the best of the best in the playoffs? Right now you play, it's an open field. You play who's on your schedule, right? You, you can't help it. But when you get into playoffs, when you get into the playoffs, you play against the best presumably because obviously you have to be really good to get there. What is going to happen then? So moving forward, what Barnes University is going to be doing here for, we're going to try to, we're going to be more consistent with our podcast. We're going to try to get more and more support in terms of getting our voice and our words out there and our work out there, provide value to the fans. Um, You know, second opinion, if you say, because it will be different than most people out there. Who are just regurgitating what has happened as opposed to, um, you know, being clairvoyant or predicting what will happen. And I think that's way more valuable to a club and to a team. Maybe not as valuable to fans, but I like to set the bar pretty high. So anyway, moving forward, more more blogs, more um, podcasts, 
um, more information. Draft season is about to start for me um, earlier than usual. Um, and we're going to start pumping out some information for you guys. So thanks for tuning in and uh, I will see you on the next one.